0: So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 5.58 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It's the 5th of May, 2021. This is episode 413 of Bitcoin, and Jack Mallers has something to say. I asked Jack on Twitter yesterday, uh, I said, can we get streaming dollars to DCA SATs functionality? Thank you. Jack wrote back and says, of course. More importantly, we are opening our API soon. I don't think we can possibly build everything that should exist with our tools. I want to enable anyone to build whatever they want. So soon someone can build their own sats streaming thingy with LN strike can't wait <coughs> now that's important and it's not just important that you know he said that of course we'll be able to DCA in with the streaming dollars type situation the more important thing is is that they're opening their API now i don't know i, I can't remember him saying that before i think he probably did and it just kind of for whatever reason, went over my head. But this one is, is smacking me square in the face. His API, by the way, is not going to be a pay-for-call if you're going to call the API. Uh, somebody asked that somewhere in this. I'm not exactly sure uh, where. Oh, here it is. Status Quant uh, asked, will API calls be paid for in real-time in Millisats? And Jack wrote back, no, will be free. So not only is he going to unwrap and and or rather unleash the kraken of his API into the wild very soon. Uh, anybody will be able to use it and not pay a single millisatoshi Satoshi or Satoshi or Bitcoin or Bit or whatever it is that you want to call whatever it is. Uh, that's pretty huge, guys. That means that anybody's going to be able to build using the LN Strike platform, uh, and that's. Wow, I'm not sure what's going to fall out of this, but one of the things I'm definitely looking for is being able to just stream like a dollar a day and and just have sats purchased over the lightning network and hopefully streamed or have those sats basically deposited in a streaming fashion into uh, my lightning channels and, and my total balance on my lightning node. That's going to be fucking dope because at that point, I don't even have to, I don't have to set up nothing right? I mean, I don't have to like, you know, buy on, you know, some platform and then sweep those funds and then, you know, all the stuff and rack up fees along the way. In this particular way, I can DCA for essentially right now on the Lightning Network, no cost and be able to custody my funds all in one shot. That's kind of a big deal. And then it's up to me if I want to close a channel or somehow or another loop out, some of those satoshis and then finally get them over to proper cold storage in bitcoin fashion and and that one I will pay fees I will have to pay fees on but I would always be in custody <coughs> I would always be in custody of that at any given time whereas like right now I mean, don't get me wrong I love swan but you know like the way that it's set up is that you know you DCA in until you get a you know a good proper stack going on to where you don't mind, you know, having to look for a time where you can pay lower fees and then execute a full-scale bitcoin transaction on the main chain and then get it over to your to your your own cold storage. This looks to me like it's just going to be able to stream right to my lightning node and then I will be able to make the choice, but all that time that I'm waiting for swan for my stack in swan or something like that to build up to where I want to cut it loose and get it to my cold hard, my my own hardware wallet. They're in custody of it. And Swan is, you know, basically said, Don't we don't really want custody of your Bitcoin. And that's why they set up not only auto DCA, <clears throat> they've also set up auto sweep to your wallet. You basically give them, I guess, your XPUB or something like that, or public key. And then they you know, at a given time you stack, I don't know, a thousand, you know, dollars worth of Bitcoin, and then all of a sudden it gets swept into your wallet. But, during that time, while you're waiting for that sweep to occur, they're in custody. In this particular case, I would always be in custody of my own stack, and then it would be up to me to sweep it into cold storage, But I would always be in custody of it. That's important. So this is in my opinion, this is a big deal. So uh, be on the lookout for Ln Strike API to be released soon, TM. Now, a name that I haven't heard in quite a while: uh, Bitter or Git Bitter. That's at Git Bitter on Twitter. G e t b i t t r. They are back. Now let's look at um, let's look at their press release here, and you'll understand more about what I'm talking about. Uh, Bitter had to go offline. It was a way, they're out of Switzerland, and they had to go offline because of regulatory problems everybody that was using GetBitter bitter in europe to uh get their bitcoin really liked the system and then all of a sudden they just had they end up announcing that they were going to have to go dark and then like a week later they basically left so out of zurich switzerland may the 4th bitter is back almost one year ago bitter shut down its business in the netherlands this was due to increased regulatory pressure today we are proud to announce that the bitter pig has risen from the ashes. While some details have changed, we are once again the best way to stack sats and buy Bitcoin in Europe. While we initially decided to shut down the service completely, we were overwhelmed by the number of messages from the Bitcoin community. Most of you were asking to revive the business as the demand for a solid way to stack the sats without lots of overly complicated KYC hassle. One of these messages, including support from people in the Swiss Bitcoin community, outlining. A plan on how Bitter could operate from Switzerland. So, after some fruitful discussions, we decided it was time to bring back the Bitter way of stacking for every European. We are offering the most convenient way to exchange fiat currency to Bitcoin via a simple instant SEPA bank transfer. Bitcoin is sent instantly to your own non-custodial wallet. Okay, while While the cost of doing business in Switzerland is significantly higher than in the Netherlands, we offer our services at the same rate you've come to expect from us, 1.5%. Furthermore, we do not ask you to upload personal data such as a passport or proof of residency for amounts up to 100 CHF or roughly around 900 euros per day. Okay, dude, so not only is this an example of the pig rising from the ashes, like the glorious Phoenix pig that it is, this is a huge example of regulatory arbitrage. In the Netherlands, they weren't able to do the stuff that they wanted to do, so they found a country that will allow them to do it, and they moved. This is important to understand going forward. Regulatory arbitrage is one of the most important and most powerful weapons that bitcoin companies are going to have whether they're miners exchanges just a way to stack some sats you know it doesn't matter when one country decides that they want to have fun staying poor another country will come along and say we don't like being poor come 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 here come to us come over the border walk across the border with your wealth and your ideas and your brain pan and all of your followers and all of your business and come and do business in our country because we don't hate you. We're going to get into more of how people hate their own or how regions or areas of particular countries or whole countries themselves hate their own people and are just begging to have fun staying poor, but we'll do that later. <clears throat> Let's get into this one first, though. Uh, Obi-Wan Nuwasu. Actually, it's just Obi-Nwasu. I just like calling him Obi-Wan. This is out of BTC Times. Uh, He's the CEO and co-founder of CoinFloor. And every time that he writes one of his little pieces, I like reading it because Obi is a very good writer. So he starts here. Mr. George Harrison did not get into the film business to make money. The former Beatle set up handmade films in 1978 for one reason only to finance the life of Brian after Monty Python had struggled to raise the required funds. And it wasn't just because Chapman, Cleese, and Idol were friends of his. He'd read the script, wanted to see the movie, and because he could, bought what has been described as the most expensive cinema ticket in history. <laughs> the story of handmade films harks to a happier age when investment was about real value. Back then... If you bought a house, it was for the prosaic reason that you wanted to live in that house and not treat it as a cash cow. If you invested in stocks and shares, it was because you believed in the company and saw an opportunity to be part of its long-term success. And if you founded a production company, well, you wanted to make something worth watching. How times have changed, <laughs> yeah, due to fiat. <coughs> Both the housing and stock markets are becoming ever more divorced from reality. Shoe boxes in the suburbs now cost a king's ransom. And corporations are valued at more than they'll ever earn over the next half a century or more. And the reason for this distortion is simple. It's because people are searching for somewhere safe to stash their wealth. But then, today's Alice in Wonderland economics were inevitable from the moment that we moved away from protecting our wealth with gold. That's not to say we should return to precious metals, gems, or other commodities. Gold has been losing its luster as a store of value for decades. It's confiscatable, hard to protect, difficult to transport, and incompatible with our modern modern digital world without the introduction of a trusted intermediary. The history of money has been about finding a way to adapt to the growing demands of society, which gold has been unable to do. So, the total addressable market of... Once dominant gold, currently valued at $11 trillion, continues to decline as a percentage of the estimated $1,247 trillion total addressable store of value market as gold becomes a less and less useful mechanism for holding and transferring wealth. But, though gold may be a shadow of its former self, the workarounds we created in its stead have created their own problems, with housing and stock market bubbles being just two examples. And the result is a great fiction, a whole series of lies we tell ourselves. Yes, this one bedroom flat in not even central London is worth a million pounds. Yes, the company that hasn't yet turned a profit does deserve its multi-million dollar IPO. As George saying all those years ago, it's all too much. For years now we've been creating a zombie economy with assets and stocks inflated far beyond their true value because for want of a better alternative they represented the best way of hedging against inflation and this made it easy to ignore that none of these assets were designed for such a purpose houses are for living in for creating a home the stock market is for raising capital In treating them as stores of value, we lose the link between something's price and its true worth. This helps explain why the global real estate market, already massively overpriced, is predicted to rise a further 40% in the next few years. And that's another reason why Bitcoin is so transformative. Gooder than gold, its finity makes it a superb store of value, and its digital nature means it is also tailor-made for our present and future needs. What's more, Bitcoin can expand to accept any amount of value, making it perfect for anyone from hedge funds to small-scale investors who have been pushed out of the bubble markets. In time, this will allow Bitcoin's total addressable market to expand far beyond that of old gold, and as more investors turn to orange gold, it will act as a much-needed corrective, lancing the engorged, overinflated valuations of other assets and bringing them more in line with their true worth. Bitcoin bashers love to call it speculation, a bubble in its own right. How little they know, or care to know, Bitcoin reminds us that an asset's price is ultimately proportionate to its value. That's a lesson many markets seem to have forgotten. How can we bring these overpriced assets down to earth and restore some sanity to these markets gone mad? Well, all you need is Bitcoin. Thank you, Obi. I like I said I enjoy reading this guy's stuff and I certainly enjoy bringing it to you. If you're not following Obi Nwasu, the CEO of Coinfloor, you probably should. And honestly, he doesn't. I, I don't really see him on Twitter all that much. Uh, but if you go to btctimes.com, every once in a while uh, he writes one one about every week or so, maybe week and a half is generally speaking like the the times that I normally see these. Uh, yeah, so btctimes.com. That's where you're going to find uh, Obi's opinion pieces. And he's right. Honestly, what all that we're talking about here is repricing what is stupid in comparison to the U.S. dollar or fiat currencies in back into something more sane. And the most sane thing that we have right now is Bitcoin. Now, Bitcoin Magazine has this one that's going to start a little bit of a mining rant here. Uh, Dylan Leclaire has this one. <clears throat> Bitcoin miners brought in fifty-six million dollars per day in April. The Bitcoin mining industry saw its second strongest month ever in April of 2021, generating total revenues of one point seven billion dollars, or yeah, yeah, billion dollars, or fifty-six thousand, fifty-six million seven hundred fifty-one thousand dollars per day on average. As a spike in transaction fees helped make up for a slight downward pressure on the price. The strong value or total revenue figures uh, can be partially attributed to the fall in hash rate that occurred earlier in the month, slowing the pace at which blocks were mined, leading to increasingly competitive and therefore expensive transaction fees. The month of April was an excellent example of the set of economic incentives built into the protocol. A significant portion of the hash rate came offline earlier in the month, slowing blocks and increasing fees for settlement on the blockchain. The rise in fees created an increasing economic incentive to sell hash rate to the Bitcoin network while block times were coming in slow. The Bitcoin network is more robust than ever, and total miner revenue is just one metric to quantify this empirical reality. So overall, all the miners on the Bitcoin network Collectively, not each, okay in case you were confused. Collectively, all the mining companies and pools and whatnot like that, they made collectively fifty-six million dollars a day. That's that's a lot of that's a lot of corn, man. That's a lot of corn. And who wants to capitalize on some of that shit? Texas. That's who Jesse Willems has this one out of Bitcoin magazine. How Texas is becoming a mecca for Bitcoin miners. <clears throat> Texas might seem like an unlikely mecca for large-scale Bitcoin mining operations. Although energy prices in Texas are relatively cheap, which is a big draw for miners, the state's reserve margins are almost non-existent, as was demonstrated by a recent ice storm that left some homes and businesses without power for up to four days. <clears throat> well, okay, let's kind of hold on. Let's, let's hold on here for a second and, and stay with that. Reserve margins. Now we had reserve margins. The problem was, from what I understand, is that when some rolling, when some blackouts occurred, it was because it was because it was like a it was like a cascade reaction. It was sort of like a yeah a a cascade failure. You had some pipes freeze natural gas inside the line, so wherever it was that they were going, that supply stopped. And that one event caused other natural gas compressors and heaters to go offline because they weren't able to get power to do the compression and the heating and all that stuff. So it was sort of like a cascade failure. So it wasn't about more about reserves. It was, however, more about the resiliency and the backup that we did not have insofar as the infrastructure, not the actual energy reserve itself. So let's be clear about that continuing on and when it comes to the cryptocurrency mining community it's hard to know exactly who's located where and what exactly that they're mining but there's lots of anecdotal evidence that a significant bitcoin industry move to texas is afoot bitcoin mining companies like bitmain Blockcap, argo blockchain great american mining layer one compute north riot blockchain and winstone are just a few of the major industry players that have chosen to set up shop in the Lone Star State. Compared to many U.S. states, Texas energy rates are inexpensive, although there are a few states that are slightly cheaper. This is still a strong selling point for Bitcoin miners, but energy supply problems with no end in sight as the population of Texas grows is a potential problem. Meredith Angwin, author of Shorting the Grid, told Great American Mining's Marty Bent in a recent Gamcast interview that Texas has the skinniest of reserve margins when it comes to energy supply, as borne out in the recent ice storm. Angwin also noted that renewables like wind and solar energy are only available when it's sunny or windy and have to be backed up by natural gas. But it's the nature of Bitcoin mining that miners seek out extremely cheap sources of energy, which tend to be stranded renewables or fossil fuels like natural gas and oil via flaring or venting that would otherwise be wasted, said Bent in a recent podcast. Despite the challenges, Angwin noted Argo blockchain is setting up in West Texas using renewables, mostly wind, and natural gas as backup. Quote, we chose West Texas as this site in particular because it offers us some of the lowest electricity rates in the world, and the majority is from renewable sources, namely wind and solar, CEO Peter Wall told Bitcoin Magazine recently. Other miners may find an answer in oil and gas vent capture technology pioneered by upstream data. Mining companies that use gas-vented capture technology are in a good position in Texas with its many oil and gas producers. Companies like Great American Mining are welcomed by oil producers that need a way to cut some of the gas byproduct going into the atmosphere as environmental concerns and regulations grow in importance. Edward Evanson, head of business development for Slush Pool and Brains, B-R-A-I-I-N-S, explained That these mining companies get their energy at no cost and help reduce carbon emissions. Quote, gas vent capture slash flaring would otherwise just be channeled into the atmosphere. As far as sustainability is concerned, yes, it is sustainable as many gigawatts of energy are currently just being wasted in a not so environmentally friendly way. This will be one of the many solutions in the future that helps keep Bitcoin mining as one of the greener industries in the world, Evanson explained to Bitcoin Magazine. With the ongoing problems in the energy grid in Texas, gas vent capture also has the enormous advantage of being independent of the grid. In a release announcing its partnership with Great American Mining, Toronto-based Fortress Technologies talks about the importance of this independence. Quote, Great American Mining's strategic focus on off-grid energy generation as part of the long-term viability of their business is another reason why we are excited to partner with them, reads the release. Quote, Mining off-grid significantly decreases operational risk over time as demand for on-grid power purchase agreements from Bitcoin miners and other energy consumers gets more competitive. Furthermore, this presents an immense opportunity and scale for us to pursue as all of the vented flared gas in the U.S. converted to electrical power would yield approximately 7.4 gigawatts, which in turn represents about 50 to 70% of the total power converted by the Bitcoin network currently. Wow. Samson Moe, CSO of Blockstream and Blockstream Mining, agrees with the sentiment, quote, as gas venting capture technology becomes more popular, Texas with its huge oil and gas fields is a natural pull for miners wanting to mine without having to be dependent on the state's energy power grid. This is this also has the added benefit of making Bitcoin more resilient and anti-fragile, Moe told Bitcoin Magazine. Evanson added that there is still plenty of opportunity for Bitcoin miners to take advantage of this power source. Quote, there's enough flared oil and gas output to support seven times the current global network hash rate. So it would be some time before miners would hit any resource limits in that regard, he said. A growing interest in mining from institutions like investment funds in Texas is spurring growth as established investors look for areas with not only cheap and abundant energy, but a degree of political and regulatory certainty. As noted here, the former governor of Texas, Rick Perry, called miners a major accelerant for job creation and sustainable economic growth in the state, while current governor Greg Abbott has put out the welcome map for Bitcoin mining companies, quote, I think Texas is and will continue to be a mecca for mining in North America, Evanson said. Quote, diverse sources of cheap energy, load balancing programs and friendly regulation ensure it will be a hot spot for bitcoin mining for many years to come. So, yeehaw bitches. <clears throat> Texas looks like it's going to pretty much secure permanently its footprint in bitcoin history and that I can't wait for that to be taught in 7th uh, grade seventh grade history, if we even have public schools by the time this is, this is all said and done. But in seventh grade, all Texas students have to take a very large section of, of, uh, Texas history. I don't know if you knew that. And I don't know, I don't know what other states actually do that. I'm sure they do. But in our state in seventh grade, somewhere around sixth and seventh, you learned about, you know, uh, Oh, God, uh, Travis and Austin and Sam Houston and the Alamo and San Jacinto, where we wiped the floor with the Mexican army just a couple of weeks after the the slaughter at the Alamo, which that seems to be the only thing anybody ever talks about is how, like, you know, a handful of of people got their asses handed to him at the Alamo. They don't talk about San Jacinto, where in the marsh, we basically fell on the entirety of the Mexican army and within minutes, that battle was over. We kicked their ass permanently. And I'm not sure if that's where Santa Ana lost his leg or if that's where Santa Ana lost his fake leg. Still not sure about that shit. If anybody really knows that true story, let me know. Now, getting back to people who hate their own people, countries who hate their own people, and regions of countries that hate their own people, we have this one from Brian Quarmby. Cointelegraph, New York bill proposes to ban crypto mining for three years over carbon concerns because as if not, you know, as if scaring off half of your entire population out of New York City isn't bad enough, let's get rid of the rest of them so that we can go ahead and build that federal prison and invite Snake Plissken to come and be the warden. <clears throat> let's get into it. Crypto miners in New York may be subject to a forced three-year hiatus If the latest environmentally focused bill passes in the state Senate, (coughs) the New York Senate Bill 6486 was proposed by Democrat Senator Kevin S. Parker, which is the chairman of Energy and Telecommunications and co-sponsored by fellow Democrat Senator Rachel May, the chair of Committee on Aging. Okay, (laughs) whatever. Chair of Legislative Commission on Rural Resources. So she's chair of both. The bill is yet to receive widespread backing from other senators. However, the Democrats do control the lower house and the Senate. The bill seeks to establish a moratorium on the operation of cryptocurrency mining centers to slow the environmental impacts of fossil fuel backed crypto mining in particular. It also aims to enforce stricter regulations for mining centers, such as the requirement to undergo an environmental impact review, which would prevent crypto mining if the facility does not comply with New York's climate change targets. The bill was referred to in the to the Environmental Conservation Committee on May the 3rd and claims to be acting in accordance with New York's Climate Leadership and Community Protection Act, with the bill stating that, quote, A single cryptocurrency transaction uses the same amount of energy that an American household uses in one month with an estimated level of global energy usage, oh god equivalent to the country of Swede. I guess they're talking about Sweden. A single cryptocurrency transaction uses the same amount of energy that an average American household uses in one month. That is a lie. Even if I, I mean, even if they're ignorant, completely and totally ignorant, there is more than enough information out there in just a, a casual Google search to make sure that people understand that that shit ain't true. That is This is one of the most ridiculous things that I've ever seen. Have fun staying poor. Let's continue. It is reasonable to believe the associated greenhouse gas emissions will irreparably harm compliance with the Climate Leadership and Community Protection Act in contravention of state law, the bill adds. The Climate Leadership and Community Protection Act was passed in 2019 and set targets such as 70% renewable energy by 2030. Uh, 100% zero emission electricity by 2040, good luck with that, and 22 million tons of carbon reduction through energy efficiency and electrification. Crypto mining is already a hot topic in New York, such as the proposed expansion of Greenbridge's gas-fired Bitcoin plant on Seneca Lake. The plant reportedly has plans to power up to 27,000 computers that will run 24-7 to mine Bitcoin. The environmental group Seneca Lake Guardian are outraged with the proposal and st- <clears throat> and stated in a call to action published on February 1st that, quote, Cuomo can't lead on climate change and support Bitcoin expansion on Seneca, end quote. Speaking in response to the Green Bridge's potential crypto mining operations, Yvonne Taylor Vice President of the environmental group Seneca Lake Guardian noted that, quote, we're talking about burning more fossil fuels to make fake money in the middle of climate change, which we view as insane. Okay, Karen, you have fun staying poor as well. There are moves around the world to regulate crypto mining in light of carbon targets, and especially in China, which accounts for an estimated 65% of the world's Bitcoin hashing power. On April the 27th, Beijing sent an emergency notice to conduct checks on data centers involved in crypto mining, with the CCP reportedly moving to impose stricter supervision on crypto mining in the nation amid concerns of failing to meet China's fake-ass climate change-focused five-year plan. Yeah, it's fake. That five-year plan that China's showing you, they have absolutely no intention of, of doing anything about that except making it a dog and pony show. So that they can do the shit that they really want to do while you're all interested in the dog and pony show. Look, guys, this is re- this is what's going to be called regulatory arbitrage. Those miners, if that three-year bill passes, you can bet your bottom dollar that those guys are going to move to Texas and/or Florida. That's going to happen, or they may just move to you know another country, you know, altogether. But one thing is for sure, New York has peaked. And they will cease to be an economic powerhouse. Uh, I mean, you're talking about New York City, right? Okay, not just the state. Let's talk about just New York City. New York City is and has been the economic heartbeat of the globe for decades. And they have done everything that they can to eviscerate their position in in the world economic leadership And at this point, their tax base, I can't wait for these tax returns to come in after these guys have lost seats in the house, just like California, because people are moving out. And when you have, when you lose enough people that you lose seats in the United States House of Representatives, you've got a major population loss because this shit's the first time that's happened in decades. And I'm talking multiple decades. So, uh, oh, we're, we're at halfway mark. Let's run the numbers. CNBC Futures and Commodities has uh, flammable liquids up today. Let's see. West Texas Intermediate is up almost a point and is at $66.29. Brent North Sea is up a full point, $69.57 for a barrel of that. Natural gas also up only by a half, $2.98 for 1,000 cubic feet of that. Gold rallying by 0.09%. Coming back to $1,777.60. Silver down a half point, $26.42. Platinum is down half a point. Copper is up almost a half a point. And palladium is up three quarters of a point. All your agricultural futures are up, which means food's going to cost more. Uh, We're talking about, let's see, wheat is up half a point. Soybeans are up almost a full point. Corn is up a third of a point. Sugar is up two points, guys. Coffee is up two and a half points, guys. Cotton is up by 0.62%. Rough rice is up 0.32%. And uh, chocolate, well, cocoa, is up almost a full two points. And all of that shit, except possibly cotton, goes into your food. Unless cotton prices includes cotton oil, which is also used in food, but I don't think so. I think cotton oil is is not part of the the cotton futures. Anyway, let's get on with it. Indices, they're all up, but you know, meh. Dow futures, 0.17 to the upside. S&P futures is one third to the upside. NASDAQ futures is a half a point higher. And the S&P mini is 0.31 to the upside. All the uh, bond prices got pushed down. 30-year got pushed down by 0.18%. But let's talk about real money. <clears throat> Bitcoin at 55000 Actually, let me refresh that because we got quite a bit of bouncing going on. Okay, $55,464. 312,000 transactions performed in the last 24 hours means that about 13,000 transactions are being committed every hour on the hour. 620,885 BTC have been sent in the last 24 hours. That's 25,800 BTC being sent on average every hour with the average transaction value at two BTC and the median transaction value at 0.018 BTC or right at a thousand dollars. Block times are hideously low, eight minutes and 40, no, no, eight minutes and 14 seconds, sorry. 0.54 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis and 95.5 BTC being taken in fees overall in the last 24-hour period. With a 0.18% drop in hash rate, we are hanging around 182.5 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator, Dogecoin, is at 66.7 cents. Can you let that sink in for just a second? The shittiest, memiest, funniest, most... Docile shitcoin on the face of the planet that doesn't even have active development on it, hasn't had active development on it in years. I don't even know how this thing's being mined or who's running nodes because nobody I know says I'm running a Doge node. I don't, I don't hear that. And yet, sixty-six point seven cents this Saturday. Remember, SNL M- Musk is going to have the Doge Father skit or something akin to it, I suppose. So that thing's going to pump again because a whole new set of retail that, you know, have probably heard about Doge uh, is going to see Elon Musk and his mouth moving on Saturday Night Live talking about Doge and they're going to ape into it. I guarantee it. What's my price target for Doge? I'm going for a buck. I know it seems stupid, right? But there, there, there's two things to this entire market. I mean I can break I think I can break the market down into two things. The people that make up the market that know what's going on and are dedicated lifelong to learning how Bitcoin works and why this shit is an important economic advancement for the human species. And then there's a whole group of people that outnumber us probably by a you know 10 million to 1 that are potato cheap, eat, chip eaten, couch sitting Just pasty face, circle under eyes, gaming kind of stature kind of people. And that's why Dogecoin is at 66.7 cents. My God almighty, help us all. Clark Moody Dashboard uh, suggesting 23,000 transactions waiting on 56 blocks to clear. We have captured one point zero three trillion dollars of market capitalization and that is eight point nine percent of gold's entire market cap you can buy thirty point nine ounces of gold with one bitcoin of which there are eighteen million seven hundred thousand two hundred and fifty four point two five of at a price of fifty five thousand three hundred dollars according to clark moody There are 1,254.8 BTC in the lightning network, and that is about 69.4 million. I love how that capacity value pretty much stays at $70 million all the time now. Total number of nodes, we are approaching 11,000. We're at 10,954 nodes that we can see, uh, operating uh, 43,694 channels that we can see. The percentage of Tor capacity looks like it's hit an all-time high of 58.1%. And there are 728.59 BTC in the Tor side of the Lightning Network. And that means it's being run over 5,230 Tor nodes that we are actually aware of. Now, Taproot, not that anything's, well, okay, something's changed, not a whole lot. We'll get to it. Uh, It's not that we're going to be able to activate, okay? That activation period for this two-week period, that's over and done with. We we weren't even close to, to the amount of blocks being signaled. But when I'm looking at the at Taproot.watch and I'm looking at the red and green blocks because it's basically a grid and it goes from left to right, top down, and it's just like either a red block or a green block. And a green block means that they're signaling for Taproot. The, The further, like if I go left to right and down and down, the more and more I go, the more and more percentage of green blocks is coming in. However, if I go and look at mining pools, it looks like we might have lost a uh, raw pool. <clears throat> I think it was either raw pool or one T hash that was signaling and they're no longer signaling. I don't know what that means, but we are down to four miners. Um, but it represents 42.28% of the total hash rate are signaling for taproot at this time. Matt O'Dell warns that the last time we were going to do like the Segwit thing, that there was some serious amounts of minor fuckery going on, in which case what that meant was that they were signaling. And then right before the whole shit happened, they stopped signaling. The price of Bitcoin dropped. The miners bought a whole bunch of Bitcoin and then started signaling again. Guys, there's no way to exit 100% from game theory. There's just not. And that's a game theory mechanic. They were like, you know, as Slush Pool, not slush, I won't pick on Slush Pool. I'll pick on Amp Pool though. Because <clears throat> that, that's Bitmain's outfit. That, that They were one of the people that did that shit. They were signaling and signaling and saying, yeah, man, we're, yeah, we're going to do Segwit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they pulled the plug. It scared everybody. The price of Bitcoin dropped and then Amp Pool bought Bitcoin and then they started signaling again and the price went back up. And they made a quick buck on that. That's just game theory, dude. You ain't getting away from that. Anyway, that's, the way, that's what Taproot looks like right now, and that's going to do it in your vitals. Welcome to part two of the Morning Roundup. Bitcoin Magazine's uh, Peter Chihuahua has this one. Sotheby's accepting Bitcoin for a Banksy. Hmm. 276-year-old fine arts auction house Sotheby's International is open to Bitcoin payments for a Banksy piece estimated to fetch $3 million to $5 million during an upcoming sale. (coughs) Quote, what better combination to introduce crypto than an iconic Banksy painting Sotheby's CEO Charles Stewart told CNBC, the winner of the auction, which will be held on May the 12th, can choose to pay in USD or some other shitcoin as well. The painting titled Love is in the Air is one of Banksy's best known works and its subject matter, which depicts a masked figure in the midst of throwing a bouquet, has has some countercultural overtones that appear to mesh with Bitcoin's own. The ability for Sotheby's to enable Bitcoin payment for the piece is the result of its partnership with cryptocurrency exchange Coinbase. It's unclear whether the Bitcoin paid for the painting would be liquidated or hodled. Quote, we have an agreement with the owner of the painting to uh, the co-signer of the painting. So that will ultimately be up to them. Part of the partnership with Coinbase gives us not only the ability to process said payment, but that possibility, you know, the possibility to liquidate it as well, In quote, says Stewart. The announcement is certainly a driver of attention to the auction, but also another indicator of growing mainstream and institutional acceptance of Bitcoin, Recently, age-old institutions like BNY Mellon and Morgan Stanley have also signaled growing support for Bitcoin. So there you go. If you want to buy a Banksy, you got your chance. Uh, Janet Yellen says interest rates may rise. Bitcoin dips. I don't think this is the only reason, uh, but it is strong. Ev- what is strong evidence that this may be a major driver of what happened yesterday? Uh, was because that the everything was down. It wasn't just Bitcoin and, and uh, you know other cryptocurrencies. It was like the entire markets were down. I was like, I just like going, okay, is this shit happening and on Wall Street? And yes, this shit was happening on Wall Street basically to the same percentage points maybe a little lighter on the on the dip side but still in that same relative area. So this may be some, you know, solace to you guys. Matthew DeSalvo tells us more from decrypt.co. <clears throat> US Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen today said, actually not today, this was yesterday. Let's do that one. US Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen yesterday said that interest rates may have to rise somewhat to prevent the US economy from overheating. <laughs> <coughs> Yeah, right. And that cold bucket of water caused markets to react. The Bitcoin market was no exception, dropping 7% following Yellen's comments. Today, uh, or uh, Yellen yesterday said in an interview with The Atlantic that the change in course may be necessary due to higher levels of government spending. Quote, it may be that interest rates will have to rise somewhat to make sure our economy doesn't overheat even though the additional spending is relatively small relative to the size of the economy <clears throat> so it could cause some very modest increases in interest rates to get all to get that reallocation Yellen, a Bitcoin critic who was appointed Treasury Secretary in January, added that President Biden's heavy spending would benefit the economy. Well, of course, she's not going to say anything against it. So where does Bitcoin and the crypto world come into all this? The market slumped across the board, including Bitcoin and the rest of crypto, save for Dogecoin, of course, and the US dollar touched session highs. They actually have save Dogecoin, of course, in written in the piece. So that's that's not me. That's them. Just be aware. Why the sell off? If interest rates are to rise, investors could theoretically be less inclined to look at alternative assets such as Bitcoin. This is because interest-bearing investments such as bonds or debt-based instruments would be slightly more attractive. Lower interest rates tend to go together with higher inflation, in turn making Bitcoin a hedge against potential devaluation of the dollar, though Yellen did say modest, uh, so uh, this doesn't really mean anything that dramatic. A modest increase in interest rates would have likely have a modest impact on the yields of fixed income securities pushing them higher, Charles Bovier or Bovard, an analyst at Quantum Econ- Economics told Decrypt, quote, that could make interest bearing securities more appealing which would make them more attractive relative to digital currencies like Bitcoin and other shitcoins. He added, "At any rate, I don't think that a modest increase in interest rates would have any huge impact on cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and some other shitcoins." Economist and crypto trader Alex Kruger told Decrypt that the sell-off was the crypto market following, or yeah, following equities. Like I said, equities fell too, as has often been the case ever since the COVID-induced market crash in March of last year. "Quote: Yellen stated the obvious and the equity market overreacted." The fact that bonds barely moved tells you that the markets have rebounded within the last hour with Bitcoin correcting to roughly 2% or roughly 2%. Uh, so there may be good reason to hodl. Yet yeah, there's always good reason to hodl, bro. That's what we do. If we didn't do that, we'd all be very, very sad. So uh, let's get on to the rest of what I got. Gemini, oh, okay, Here's here's some Dogecoin stuff. Okay, and this is, okay, look. I know. I get it. It's important to understand market psychology and what's going on with market psychology is straight up manipulation, right? And here's, 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 it's like a chain reaction. Okay. Elon basically started all this shit and then wall street bets kind of got into it, but not, not, not to a huge extent. (coughs) Well, you see the price go up and then that causes other people in the industry to react and they do stupid shit. Like the Gemini twins adding Dogecoin as Trading Frenzy crashes Robin Hood yet again. Eck <clears throat> and Jenk has this one for Decrypt.co. Gemini, a cryptocurrency exchange led by Tyler and Cameron Winklevoss, today buckled under the pressure of meme coin demand, at last adding Dogecoin to its trading platform. <clears throat> Meanwhile, Robinhood, likely the most popular U.S. trading app that supports Doge, went down following Dogecoin's price surge to above 50 cents. Quote, Dogecoin is the people's money. Oh, Jesus Christ. It's organic, irreverent, and fun. It's not forced on us by a government or some other central authority. It's chosen by us, for us, by the people, for the people. Wow. Wow. Tyler Winklevoss says he's the CEO of Gemini. Oh my God, dude, this is an actual tweet. Okay, I can't even reread it. It's making me sick. The announcement comes as a much wow time for Dogecoin as it's now become the fourth most valued cryptocurrency with a market cap of $76.8 billion as per Nomics data, people. Meanwhile, Robinhood's cryptocurrency service went down, most likely due to a surge in demand for the dog coin, overwhelming its services, a problem that's all too familiar from the app from last month. As we saw yesterday, social trading platform eToro also listed the dog coin making the meme coin one of the few cryptocurrencies listed outside cryptocurrency exchanges even though many cryptocurrency exchanges such as Binance and Kraken list doge Gemini's listing today marks a milestone in the crypto industry as its CEO has thrown his unapologetic support behind the meme coin by contrast leading US crypto exchange Coinbase still doesn't support dogecoin and there is currently no sign that it ever will i mean Honestly, even Brian Armstrong should be smart enough to get this one. In a move that set to irk Bitcoin maximalists, Winklevi generously compared Dogecoin or Dogecoin to Bitcoin in that both give the control of the money back to the people. Dogecoin, he said, carries the flag of Bitcoin. No, it doesn't. Quote, yes, it's a meme coin, but all money is a meme. Oh, God. And all money is both an idea and a matter of faith or belief in it. Oh, my God he explained, anticipating the common criticism and the truth, really, that Dogecoin was invented as a joke. But the Winklevide didn't downplay Dogecoin's origin. In fact, he relished it. It turns the idea of money being into something that's issued by an authority, which is a conceit, on its head. They say there's some truth in every joke. Dogecoin's value is its punchline. God, my God. Oh, I thought I was bad with bad jokes. If all this sounds familiar, that's because billionaire Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban essentially said the same thing himself yesterday in a tweet storm in which he called Bitcoin financial religion. The Shark Tank investor also again praised Dogecoin. Yes, it's a joke and now legit. It's not legit, guys. But critics say the Dogecoin party will not last. It can't, they say, given the coin's economics. Doge supply is not capped, unlike many other cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, by design, five billion with a B Doge are released into circulation every year, and its development team abandoned the project years ago. So there's no one around to change that. Tyler Winklevoss, sorry, Tyler Winklevoss, however, begs to differ on the economics. Doge is, in fact, disinflationary. Let that sink in. Tyler Winklevoss is telling us that a five billion dollar injection a day or a year. Into the economy is, in fact, disinflationary. Five billion Doge will become a drop in the ocean once more people begin exchanging the coin. Then the demand for Doge will easily easily surpass its supply. He argued in the Post. In that sense, it doesn't. Uh, it's not any different from. Uh, shitcoin beginning with an E. He said, referring to the currently uncapped supply of said shitcoin, but unlike Dogecoin, there are concrete plans underway to cap shitcoin's supply. They're talking about Ethereum. It's just really hard for me to say the word anymore. Quote, recently demand for Dogecoin has outstripped its supply. As a result, its price has been mooning. The people are speaking. That's not it. It's illiquid, you idiot. Dogecoin is in for a long ride this week. Elon Musk, the self styled Doge father, will make his debut on May the 8th as host of comedy show Saturday Night Live. And he's expected to signal boost the people's money and the anticipation alone jacked up the price by 10% last weekend. This is how dangerous where we are is because now we've got people like Tyler who. And honestly, I think all these people are kind of tongue-in-cheeking this thing, but what they don't understand is that the masses that they're talking to, the people that look up to them for advice, are taking it as real advice. Do not buy Doge. Do not. If if, If you were dumb enough like me to buy a bag of Doge way back in 2015, then good for you, I guess. But if you are looking at this as a speculative play at $0.66, cents, you're going to get your ass handed to you. And I, all I can do is help you. If you're listening to me now, all I can do is help you and tell you not to buy Doge. And then, of course, Doge will go to like a buck 50, and you'll be very, very mad at me. But the problem is, is that you have to time when to top out of that and dump on retail and you've got to ask yourself do you want to do that are you ethically good with that with dumping something that you know is is a piece of shit project to somebody else and if you are good with it are you good enough to time that market top because if you're not good enough to time the market top then you're going to either be holding a bag of worthless shit for the rest of your life because i don't think this pump is ever going to happen again or you're going to sell at a loss. Because timing these tops is almost is almost impossible, and I may may not even be able to do it because I'm, I'm I've got bricked ledgers over here, so I can't even get a hold of my bag of Doge to send it over to Gemini or Kraken or some some such place, to be able to cut that loose onto retail, and 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 then I'm I'm literally having kind of a problem, you know, a a, a soul searching problem with that. I know it's worthless. It's not deflationary. It is nothing of what Tyler Winklevoss is saying about it. And just, just, here's the thing. Who am I to go against Tyler Winklevoss being a poor ass barn mouse pleb? Well, I'm somebody who knows a fuck ton more about this industry than Tyler Winklevoss does. And the reason I know that is because he's actually saying these statements about Doge. That's how I know. It's not that I have to go to lunch with him or 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 follow his every move. All I have to do is hear him talk about Shitcoin One, Shitcoin two, Shitcoin three through Shitcoin 300, and I know he has literally no clue, nor does he care. He, he even if he does have a clue, he's he clearly doesn't give a shit. Either way is bad, and you shouldn't be listening to anybody like this. So <clears throat> now, not'm I'm, I'm looking at what it is that I've got here. Oh, 40% intend to use crypto for payments in the next year, says a MasterCard survey. Martin Young has it out of Cointelegraph. A survey by credit card giant MasterCard has revealed that 4 in 10 people plan to use cryptocurrency for payments within the next year. Survey was published yesterday and titled, Consumer Appetite for Digital Payments Takes Off, polled more than 15,500 people and revealed that millennials are especially engaged in cryptocurrencies with over two-thirds agreeing that they are more open to using cryptocurrency than they were only one year ago. Additionally, it reported that 77% of millennials are interested in learning more about crypto, uh, while 75% agree that they would use digital assets if they understood them better. Millennials are classified by the United States Census Bureau as people born between 1982 and 2000, which means that their age range in 2021 is between 21 and 39 years old. The move expands access to cryptocurrencies has already begun, or sorry, the move to expand access to cryptocurrency has already begun, and we don't need to know any more of that other than the fact that a shit ton of people are coming into the market. That's what this signals and anything can happen at this point, and we don't know what that anything is going to look like, but as we've seen, it's probably not going to be all that great. All right, Galaxy Digital is going to buy BitGo for $1.2 billion in stocks and cash. Kevin Reynolds has this one from Coindesk. Galaxy Digital, the cryptocurrency focused financial services firm run by Michael Novogratz, said it has agreed to buy BitGo, the U.S. regulated crypto custody specialist, for $1.2 billion in stock and cash. Under the terms of the deal, BitGo shareholders will get $33.8 million, or sorry, million of newly issued shares of Galaxy Digital common stock and about $265 million in cash, giving it a transaction value of about $1.2 billion based on Galaxy Digital's closing share price on May the 4th. Last month, Coindesk reported that the two companies were in talks about a possible deal. Quote The acquisition of BitGo establishes Galaxy Digital as a one stop shop for institutions and significantly accelerates our mission to institutionalize digital asset ecosystems and blockchain technology, said Novogratz, which is Galaxy's CEO and founder. Canada listed Galaxy also said that it will undergo a domestication process on an intended path to a U.S. listing later this year. Last year, BitGo was reported to have been in acquisition talks with fintech giant PayPal, which offered as much as $750 million in cash for the custody company. Galaxy, which said it will gain about 400 global net new clients from BitGo, will use its balance sheet to fund the cash consideration, part of which will be deferred up to 12 months post-close, the company said. 400 new clients. Uh, Those better be be big clients. BitGo shareholders will own about 10% of the combined company. BitGo CEO Mike Belshi will become Galaxy Digital Deputy CEO and a member of the company's board. This deal is expected to close in the fourth quarter, subject to regulatory approval and a vote by Galaxy shareholders. So there you go. That's... I don't know. I don't know what to think about that. Uh, um, you know, we're going to see a lot of consolidation in this industry, and w- the people that I'm looking for are people like Unchained Capital to basically stay independent. I hope they do, but this is a this is a weird environment, and things are going to change over time, and you've got to be willing and able to change with those times. So, just you know, guys, be aware. Uh, that's going to do it for the morning roundup. Love, our True love, in all continuing with our canadian friends to the north and basically examining their plight, which is pretty bad. And I was notified yesterday that, hey, don't forget India. Yeah, there's some some fairly terrible shit going on in India as well. But this one, you know, this this segment is about Canada. So that's why it's oh Canada. A group of Ontarians sent a distress signal to the United States across Niagara Falls. This, it's bad, dude. It's bad. Abby Newfield tells us more from Narcity.com. A group of Ontarians gathered at Niagara Falls on Friday night to get the attention of our U.S. neighbors with an upside-down Canadian flag and an SOS signal. By the way, this was a couple of weeks ago, not yesterday. In a Facebook Live video, the group can be seen raising the flag from the falls, look out, and using their phone Phones, flashlights to send Morse code messages across the border. Quote, we are hostages in our province now. We are no longer free to do whatever we want as our charter allows us, says Colin McDonald, who live streamed the event. McDonald claimed in the video that the U.S. Border Patrol was made aware of their incoming message. Narcity has reached out to verify this and will update the story when we receive a response. Their demonstration took place on the same day as the premier announced Ontario's enhanced stay at home measures and an anti lockdown protest attracted hundreds of participants in Barrie including Maxime Berner. I don't know who Maxine is in in either event they're standing at uh, these guys are standing at the border flashing morse code in uh, or an s o s in morse code it's just it's insane so this is sort of the thing that's going on in, in Canada now granted this was a small crowd and clearly they weren't actually going to have a Black Hawk helicopter fly over the border and, and save them. But still, you, when, when your own people are, are standing at your own border trying to, like, basically flashing help signals to the other country, that's, that's not good. And that demonstrate what, demonstrates what's going on in Canada. Anyway, so we'll, we'll end it there. Um, it is By the way, it is Wednesday, so it's hump day. Uh, be prepared for everything everything and anything in the markets be especially prepared for the upcoming SNL skit by Doge Father himself and what it's going to do to the Doge price and just be amazed at just how bad alt season can actually get as somebody who lived through one alt season I thought it was bad but honestly I'm going to tell you this straight up as far as I can tell this one is 10 times worse It's really, really bad. The only thing that is different is I'm not seeing a whole lot of ICOs come online. And that's good news. But honestly, I don't expect that to last. Anyway, have a good one and I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.